This episode is brought to you by Viore. Give the active people in your life something they'll truly appreciate. Performance apparel from Viore. Whether they're into running, surfing, hiking, or even just casual walks around the block, there's something for everyone. And if you're not sure what to gift them, you can't go wrong with something from Viore's Dream Knit Collection. It's the perfect gift and so comfortable. Get 20% off your first purchase today at Viore. V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 19th to the 25th of June. I'm Ezzy Pearson, the magazine's features editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by reviews editor Paul Money. Hello, Paul. Hello there, Ezzy. I'm hoping that we get some nice clear skies, even though they are light skies at the moment as we head towards the summer solstice. (laughs) But that doesn't necessarily mean there won't be anything worth looking up for. So what are your recommendations for the coming week? Well, we'll kick off with the evening sky, um, because that's the most observable time of the sky, if you ask me. Um, around about half past 10, the sky will be light. But if you look towards the northwest, we have a very, very, very slim crescent moon. It's not the slimmest it can possibly be, but there's still a something about them. You know, this really thin crescent hanging there in the twilight sky. And you've got Castor and Pollux actually is forming a triangle. The moon is the peak, the apex of that triangle with Castor and Pollux in Gemini. So they should be visible as well as the sky darkens as they begin to set. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a lovely view. You will have Earthshine as well, although when it's so low and so slim that the twilight may overwhelm the actual um, Earthshine itself. But in the meantime, of course, if you look over to the left towards the west-northwest, guess what we find? Yes, the dynamic duo still up, and that is Venus 
and Mars. Now, as we head into the summer solstice, which happens on the 21st at 3.58 in the afternoon this year, the sun will be at its most northerly position in the sky. And in the evening sky, we find the crescent moon actually lies to the upper right of Venus, and then the next evening to the upper left of Mars. And that's the 21st and 22nd. So even on the summer solstice, there's something to see in the evening sky. And again, this time you should see some Earth shine with the actual moon as it passes Venus and Mars. And it's surprising. It's one of those things that because you can't really see the faint background stars, you don't realize how much Venus and Mars have moved in their own background positions against the background stars, which is a shame. But it's around about one and a half moon widths. So, you know, you're looking at a decent sort of a degree, a degree and a half sort of thing, actual motion of those planets. But because we haven't got the reference stars behind to actually easily show that, it's hard to appreciate just how much they're actually moving. Yet they are still slowly descending into the bright evening sky, but they will keep ahead of it for a while yet. So we haven't got rid of them yet, folks. They're still going to hang around doing their little dance. And as I say, (laughs) Venus won't catch up with Mars. Mars is playing tag and it's staying ahead, it's determined to keep ahead of the brighter planet. Now, on the 23rd, the interesting thing is they're gradually heading towards the boundary between uh, Cancer and Leo. And on the 23rd, literally, Venus and Mars are either side, equal distance, either side of the boundary between the constellations. But the trouble is we can't see that, can we? We can't see the boundary. We're very useful. We can see these boundaries. I have to say on the lines, but it's one of those things. But they will be creeping closer to Regulus in Leo. And I mentioned this because on the 23rd, we often tend to think of the spring constellation of Leo is lost once we get to the summer solstice. But in actual fact, it does linger for a week or two before we finally lose it. And so the the thicker crescent moon will be to the upper left of Regulus on the 23rd. And then there'll be Mars and Venus to the lower right, the other side of the star as well. So well worth keeping an eye out uh, for that. And I say there's not a great deal happening other than that in the sky, but it's worth now turning to the morning sky because we know we've got Saturn and Neptune in the morning sky. They've been quite prominent because they rose quite early on. And we're looking about 3 a.m., so the skies are quite light. You might be lucky if you, if you go out looking for these things. You never know. You might catch a display of noctilucent clouds as well. So you might get several things happening. Mm-hmm. But it's not just Saturn and Neptune. We've got Jupiter. Jupiter will be better placed now over in the east. But they are joined finally by Uranus. Uranus is emerging out of the the glare of the sun. And so about 3 a.m., you should be able to look towards the east, slide to the left of east, and you'll find Jupiter, and then Uranus is visible. So we've got the four giant planets back into the night sky as well. But as I said, the, the problem with Uranus and Neptune is that you've got the light sky. So you've got to bear that in mind. But binoculars and telescopes should actually show them. So we've got all the four outer major planets now on display. It's been a while. It feels like ages since we've seen Uranus. Mm. So it's months, literally months. It does seem to be this year in general has been really great for the planets. Um, not necessarily always you know, the best placed on the night sky or they're in the morning, but there has been a lot going on with them over the past couple of months, which is always good to see. I always love a good planet. (laughs) 
And, you know, now we've got Jupiter back, we can keep an eye on the great red spot because quite a few astrophotographers have pointed out that mm. it is actually shrinking. You know, yes. even NASA has agreed that it does seem to have shrunk a little bit. So I hope we're not in the phase of, you know, losing it uh, in the next uh, few years, perhaps few decades. But, you know, it's one of those things. It's been part of our lives uh, ever since mm. I started astronomy sort of thing and for hundreds of years. So, uh, you know, but you never know. It could have a revival. It may be just having a fade in. The interesting thing is we can't see it at the sky at the moment, but the news is that Betelgeuse is doing something erratic again, and it's gone brighter than it should do, and it's in the blooming summer sky, so we can't see it. Is it? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that typical? It always happens, something uh, interesting when we can't see it. Orion is probably up in the southern hemisphere's night sky right now. They, they, they're getting it in low yeah. in the evening sky for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, of course we, it for us is too bright because it's in the summer sky for us. Yeah. However, you know, it, it won't be give it another month, a month and a half. And it will creep back into the morning sky for us as well. So I can't wait to see it. So I want to see, I want to see what's going on, mm. <laughs> you know, because we had the great dimming two years ago, yeah. well, three years ago, near enough now. And, um, so that was quite something that was quite dramatic sort of thing. But, you know, this, this is, it's gone brighter again. It's been brighter than normal. So, you know, the question is why? Um, we know it's a, a red supergiant. So we know it should be coming towards the end of its life. But usually we talk about, you know, probably tens of thousands thousands of years at least before it goes bang so yes. uh, will it go bang we don't know but wouldn't it be amazing if we suddenly woke up to another star in the sky, a bright sun in the sky and they think hang on there's two be like tattooing in star mm. wars we see <laughs> two stars two suns in the sky because it would be bright it would be bright enough to be seen in daylight don't think it would be quite as bright as the sun that no, would be slightly quite. worrying <laughs> But um, it will... It would be worrying, yeah. Uh, I would say run for the hills, but it wouldn't do us much good, would it? (laughs) Definitely be visible. (laughs) But I think that it is... Current theories are still, it's not about to go supernova imminently. But, you know, this is astronomy and and space science. So we're talking, you know, plus or minus a million years or so is not an (laughs) uncommon sentence to hear. I love saying that when I do yeah. my public star night sort of then point out Betelgeuse and say, oh, by the way, it could go bang, but it could, it could be like tomorrow, but it could be up to a million years and people sort of hanging on you and they're, oh, a million years. <laughs> said, yeah, but it could go tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I think current thinking is 10,000 years is about mm. what they're looking at. But as it gets closer to the end of its life, it is going to start doing more stuff. Odd things being yeah. erratic. Yeah. Yes, and and it had a big. Uh, they think it was a big dust release that happened back in. Oh, when was that? Twenty 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 twenty. Yeah, yes. late twenty nineteen, early twenty twenty. Just as yeah. the lockdown occurred. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So uh, I, I got photographs showing it you know, dramatically different to what it used to be. It was mm-hmm. Quite something. You know, maybe it's something related to that. Maybe it's some other thing. But you know, it's Beetlejuice is going to be varying quite a lot over. Well, who knows how lot. So that's going to definitely be one to keep an eye on. But uh, thank you, Paul, for taking us through this week's highlights. Uh, To summarise those again, on the 19th of June in the evening sky, Castor and Pollux are going to form a triangle with the crescent moon. Venus and Mars continue to move across the sky together. On the 21st, it's also the summer solstice. On the 21st and the 22nd, the crescent moon uh, appears to the upper right of Venus. And look in the evening twilight for the moon, Mars and Venus uh, as they almost line up together with Regulus in Leo. Not quite, but almost. 
And then finally, on the 25th in the morning sky, Uranus is just beginning to emerge from the solar glare, meaning that you can catch a glimpse of all four giant planets in the morning sky. So thank you very much for taking us through all of that, Paul. And if you at home want to keep up to date with all of the best things to see in the night sky every week, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and we hope to see you here next week. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify. 